Good morning. I'm James Hellman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Tuesday, October 15th. In today's news, President Trump imposes sanctions on Turkey as Mike Pence prepares to fly to the region. A white police officer is charged with murder for shooting an African-American woman in her own home. And Elizabeth Warren eclipses Joe Biden in another poll ahead of tonight's Democratic debate. But first, the big idea. Fiona Hill, the former top Russia advisor at the White House, told impeachment investigators on Monday that Rudy Giuliani, the president's personal lawyer, ran a shadow foreign policy in Ukraine that circumvented U.S. officials and career diplomats in order to personally benefit President Trump. Hill, who served as the senior official for Russia and Europe on the National Security Council, was the latest witness in a fast-moving impeachment inquiry focused on whether the president abused his office by using the promise of military aid and diplomatic support to pressure Ukraine into investigating his political rivals. In a closed-door session that lasted 10 hours, Hill told lawmakers that she confronted Gordon Sundland, the U.S. ambassador to the European Union, about Giuliani's activities, which she testified were never coordinated with the officials responsible for carrying out U.S. foreign policy in the region. Sondland is set to appear before lawmakers later this week. And in a sign the impeachment inquiry is widening, investigators are discussing whether to question John Bolton, Trump's former national security advisor. Bolton was Hill's direct superior at the NSC. Hill testified Monday that Bolton was furious over Giuliani's politically motivated activities in Ukraine. She recounted how Bolton likened the former New York mayor to a, quote, hand grenade who's going to blow everybody up when he learned about Giuliani's Ukraine campaign. Hill's testimony was private and behind closed doors, but my colleagues Karun Demirjian, Shane Harris, and Rachel Bade sussed out key details from sources familiar with what she said. Bolton and Sunland met in early July with then-special envoy for Ukraine, Kurt Volker, along with Hill and Energy Secretary Rick Perry. During that meeting, Sunland's agenda for Ukraine began to become clear when he blurted out to the other officials in the room that there were, quote, investigations that were dropped that need to be started up again, according to someone familiar with what happened. The officials understood him to be referring to Burisma, the energy company, where Hunter Biden, Joe Biden's son, was on the board of directors. Sumland also said that that was a priority for the president. This is something that apparently made Bolton go ballistic after the meeting, according to Hill's testimony. Hill also told lawmakers that after that meeting, Bolton instructed her to go raise their concerns about the shadow Ukraine operation with White House lawyers. Bolton told Hill that he didn't want to be part of any, quote, drug deal, that was being, quote, cooked up in Ukraine. Hill then met with NSC lawyer John Eisenberg to express her concerns about Giuliani's activities and how they were being carried out by Sunland and Volcker. Giuliani responded last night to this testimony by saying he has no idea who Hill is. He said his contact with Ukrainian officials was set up by Trump officials at the State Department. And he said there's nothing shadowy about what he did because he reported it back to the State Department. Giuliani also says Hill was out of the loop even though it was her job to be in the loop. Hill, who left the NSC voluntarily this summer, worked closely on Ukraine with Marie Yovanovitch, the former U.S. ambassador. Yovanovitch testified last Friday about her understanding of Giuliani's efforts to remove her from the post. 
Giuliani and some of his allies in Ukraine saw Yovanovitch, a career diplomat, as a threat to their financial and political interests, she testified under oath. Hill told the committees that she was infuriated by Yovanovitch's ouster. The ambassador, who had a reputation for combating corruption in Ukraine, told impeachment investigators during her interview last week that her departure came as a direct result of pressure that Trump placed on the State Department to remove her. She says that the number two person at the State Department told her this and added that she had done nothing wrong when she was ousted. Hill, the person who testified yesterday, served on the National Security Council as the senior director for Russia and Europe from mid-2017 until the week before Trump had that infamous phone call with Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky on July 25th. During that conversation, Trump asked Zelensky to do him a favor by investigating the Bidens. Hill appeared Monday on Capitol Hill under congressional subpoena as the Trump administration has sought to block current and former officials, including her, from testifying. But she came anyway. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, the Trump administration called on Turkish President Recep Erdogan to implement an immediate ceasefire in northern Syria as the government also, the U.S. government, imposed sanctions against Turkey in response to its military aggression. Meanwhile, the situation on the ground continues to deteriorate since Trump decided to withdraw U.S. forces. Vice President Pence announced that he and National Security Advisor Robert C. O'Brien, who replaced Bolton, will lead a delegation to Turkey in the immediate future in an effort to end the violence that has increasingly become a political problem for Trump here at home. Pence says Erdogan and Trump spoke by phone yesterday and that the president communicated to him very clearly that the United States wants Turkey to stop the invasion, to implement a ceasefire, and to begin to negotiate with Kurdish forces in Syria. The sanctions that were unveiled are aimed at Turkey's defense and energy ministries, as well as three senior Turkish officials. Among them was the interior minister, a powerful position responsible for domestic security. Despite the sanctions move and tough rhetoric from administration officials, Trump continues to defend his decision to cut and run from Syria, even though he was warned in advance that it would result in exactly the mayhem that's occurring now. But he did it anyway. As Syrian Kurds of the Syrian Democratic Forces battled Turkish government troops and their allied militias at various points along the border on Monday, Syrian government forces loyal to Bashar al-Assad and working closely with Vladimir Putin's forces began entering border cities at Kurdish invitations under an agreement that was brokered by Moscow. Fears are now rising across the region that an all-out war could start between Turkey and the Syrian troops that ultimately could involve Russia and Iran, Assad's primary backers. The nightmare continues to become a reality. Number two, a white Fort Worth police officer in Texas who fatally shot a 28-year-old black woman in her home over the weekend has been charged with murder. The officer, Aaron Dean, resigned earlier in the day before he could be fired. Bond has been set for $200,000. Authorities moved quickly to arrest Dean after he shot a Tatiana Jefferson through a closed window in her Fort Worth home while responding to a welfare call in the early hours of Saturday morning. A neighbor had called because the door was left open in the back. In fatal officer-involved shootings, police seldom face criminal charges, and they're rarely charged with murder. So the prosecution of the officer is likely to serve as a sort of stress test of relations between law enforcement and the black community in the DFW region, which is still reeling from the fallout of an earlier case involving a white officer in Dallas who shot a black neighbor in his apartment. Local leaders in Texas are calling for a probe of the Fort Worth Department, and Jefferson's family and their attorney want an independent review of the killing, 
saying they worry that race may have played a role. A spokesman for the Fort Worth police acknowledged those concerns during a brief news conference last night. Number three, 12 presidential hopefuls will take the stage tonight in the outskirts of Columbus, Ohio, for the fourth Democratic debate on CNN. It will be the largest debate yet with 12 candidates on stage. The most we've had before is 10, but there won't be two different nights of debates. A new Quinnipiac University poll released yesterday afternoon puts Elizabeth Warren narrowly ahead of Joe Biden, 30 percent to 27 percent. That's within the margin of error. These results, though, suggest that Warren is breaking the electability ceiling. Biden, who will certainly face questions about his relationship with Ukraine and his son's foreign buck raking, unveiled a big ethics plan yesterday ahead of the debate. ABC News this morning aired an interview with Hunter Biden, which was timed to come out right before the debate. It was conducted at his home in Los Angeles. The former vice president's son defends his private ventures as ethical, concedes that he made missteps in failing to foresee how they would appear. In retrospect, he says that was the poor judgment on his part, appearances. But then asked if he did anything improper, Hunter Biden said no, quote, not in any way whatsoever. Joe Biden's not the only one who needs to debate well tonight. Bernie Sanders, who's been recovering from a heart attack, has been slipping in the polls and losing some key establishment support that had come his way. He introduced a plan yesterday to reverse the Trump tax cuts for businesses and return the corporate rate to 35 percent. For his part, Beto O'Rourke, who also needs a good night, continues to clarify his stance on LGBTQ rights and religious freedom after his rivals moved to distance themselves yesterday from the comments he made during a equality forum that was sponsored by the human rights campaign last week. O'Rourke at the time appeared to back ending tax-exempt status for churches that oppose same-sex marriage. And billionaire Tom Steyer, who will appear on stage at a debate for the first time tonight, said yesterday that Ohio is no longer a swing state. That's not playing very well with his hosts in Ohio, including the Columbus Dispatch. Meanwhile, another billionaire, Mike Bloomberg, is hinting via intermediaries that he may try to get into the race for president as if there weren't enough candidates already if Biden drops out for some reason. Never a good sign when people are speculating about what they might do if you drop out. And that's The Daily 202 for Tuesday, October 15th. Thanks for listening. So much news. I'm James Holman. I'll talk to you tomorrow.